0: and boom we're back with another episode of alpha cast i'm mike winter and i'm here as always with the wonderful beloved dr bear paul lando without him we wouldn't have alpha vedic and everything we're doing so uh there he is bear lando uh coming to you live and direct from the great state of jefferson where freedom always reigns supreme we've got a very special guest today george wiseman uh someone we've been um very very excited about getting on the show for a while now uh as we are huge fans of his aquacure machine and everything he's doing with that technology uh we are very 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 happy to have him on the show today uh yeah bear any other uh, news real quick before we have george come on um in terms of uh stuff going on in the farm anything up to date, folks on out there
1: Well, a lot going on, but I'm going to reserve that uh, for another time because our audience just uh, wants to get into it with George here, I know, and that's very humble of you, uh, your opening statements, Michael, because uh, we all know that uh, the present form of Alpha Vedic wouldn't exist without you either. So uh, thank you for those comments. And uh, George, so amazing to have you here today. I'm going to let Mike um, do a little intro, and then I'll jump in, and then we'll hear from you for the
0: rest of the time here hey i'm the anode to your cathode can i say uh (laughs) hydrogen the breath of god aquacure inventor george wiseman joins us today to discuss why hydrogen for health is fast becoming one of the most important innovations of all time why is hydrogen hydrogen referred to as the god molecule this will be the subject of this alpha cast and what inventor george wiseman will share could very well be a game changer for your personal health and well being. George grew up as a cowboy in British Columbia. Yes, they do have cowboys in Canada. Where hard work and jack-of-all-trade skills weren't an option, his upbringing parlayed perfectly into a knack for inventiveness and future innovations that would improve the quality of life for thousands and generations to come. Quote, 62% of the human body is hydrogen, and most of the ailments of man are either caused by or exasperated by hydrogen deficiency. George began working with Brown's Gas in 1986 and has since developed technologies that make use of this miraculous gas for fuel saving, torch fuel gas, and radioactive neutralization. What's more, his inventions are patent free. I'm all about that. So his knowledge remains readily available to anyone wishing to duplicate his creations. George has become an expert in Brown's gas, also known as HHO or hydroxy, with a primary focus on the industrial and energy saving aspects that would eventually lead to the realization of the astonishing health benefits that occur when inhaled and drinking infused water. Compromised energy reserves lead to illness, but Brown's gas solves this energy crisis. Mr. Wiseman's current focus for the application of Brown's gas is hydroxy for health, and his practical and safe technology is fast becoming one of the most important innovations of all time. And I see you gentlemen are tapped in, Bear Lando. I'm going to throw mine on right now. Please join us.
1: It's uh, very rude for you to... uh... Not be, uh, I, I, I'm gonna, I like don't it.
0: know if you guys are all on 432, but I'm going to go to 528 right now just to change things up. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Should we all be on the same frequency there? Well,
0: maybe I'll, if you guys are on 432, I'll stay on 432. We should be on the same frequency. <laughs> so we're in resonance, I guess. And uh, we'll let, uh, We'll let George uh,
1: explain what all that means. And yeah. for anybody who doesn't know what we're doing here with nasal cannulas, it's not that you have uh, three folks suffering from emphysema all at the same time. This is uh, George's Aqua cure machine. George, um, so again, to repeat, so wonderful to have you here. We're truly honored. You've made such a difference in the world. And, you know, I spent uh, my life in the health field just trying to help folks with their physical health. And I really believe the aquacure machine is and brown's gas is the most fundamental thing that people can do. I still get questions even though I haven't been in practice for a well, while. You know, people saying, "What should I be doing?" Uh, you know, and and I really think this is so foundational that no matter what else you're doing, start with this, no matter what. And for all you preppers out there if uh, you know, you're know you preparing for whatever we think is what's to come here or already upon us, uh, this would be the number one appliance I would have in any household. If you ask me uh, if I had to choose between my refrigerator and my uh, hydroxy machine, I'd, I'd take the AquaCure. It's, it's my most prized possession right now. Uh, I have two of them, one up by our bedside that my wife and myself use morning and night. And then I have one right down here in our business center. Uh, you know, for myself and everyone to use so that we can be around at all time. So um, George, you know, uh, you know, it really catches my attention um, because of things that I'm involved with is when you, I've heard uh, you and other people reference hydrogen as the breath of God or the God molecule. And I really believe that's to be true. And uh, I do, um a lot of dabbling, we'll say in chemistry, that's more my field, not engineering and inventing like you do. And in my chemistry lab, I really uh, uh, incorporate old school methods that we can loosely call alchemy, but is true science, complete science that has been deliberately, um, let's just say, um, prevented from entering our university curriculums, you know, suppressed. And in that, we appreciate that there is another whole level of intelligence that used to be called the ether, It doesn't matter. But just for the purposes of the point I'm trying to make is in that whole process, uh, which requires that you believe in a higher intelligence, that's what leaves a lot of conventional scientists kind of out in the field there. Um, you know, there's this whole... Descending uh, coagulation of these elements that finally precipitates into matter, and uh, they used to think about them in terms of elements. You know, fire, uh, uh, you know, oxygen, and and water, and um, and um, you know, earth, and and air, and so forth. But you know, in more conventional understanding or contemporaneous understanding, uh, the first one we'll talk about fire, the fire element, which is what initiates. Uh, you know, our world from that original idea, the creator is actually hydrogen. And then it escalates or uh, descends down into the next level of air, which is nitrogen, which creates a coagulation or fermentation in the atmosphere, then binds with oxygen and then becomes, you know, everything that we're talking about today. And you're going to tell us about the plasma state of water being the true, uh, uh, you know, fourth stage of water And I really believe if we go into some old school understanding too, it's going to tell us a lot about what that plasma state is on that energetic level. Uh, Another thing I'd like to say about hydrogen, if we get into Walter Russell's work, he understood hydrogen not as a single element is a whole octave of seven different tonal fields and he stated and i agree with him and if you jump into his work it makes more sense than what i learned in school i think and uh he talks about you know uh our our concept of hydrogen as just a single element is really goes uh, contrary to the laws of nature And so uh, when you understand that hydrogen is a gateway into seven different octaves of uh, hydrogen, I think also that gives us, um, or not octaves, but seven different tonal fields of hydrogen, I think that might give us some clues as far as Uh, you know, how hydrogen really works in our universe and would give us more indication of, uh, you know, what that plasma state, force state of water actually is. So let's uh, hear it more from your mouth, though, as far as maybe start with a little bit of a background as far as how you got into all this. Uh, A lot of us already know your story, but for anybody new in the audience, and then we just want to get into the applications of your inventions. So uh, again, thank you so much for being here and uh, take it away
2: wow it's almost like you guys have given such a good introduction i i don't have much else to say (laughs) but i think we'll figure it out i really appreciate you're giving me uh time on your platform so that we can help a lot more people and i'll uh, talk about that a little bit as we proceed as well uh as mike was saying i grew up on a cattle ranch i was actually born in montana uh, and on a small farm there we always had horses and cattle and such, and then where whereabouts fathers. in
0: Montana, George? Just curious. My dad grew up. in Montana. I was born in Missoula,
2: and we so spent was my a dad lot of time in in uh, Lewistown. Uh, oh wow! Missouri, so
0: I wonder if you know my father. He was he was maybe a little older than you, but born in Missoula, went to Hellgate High.
2: Uh, I, I I I think <laughs> we Jewish. left Missoula when I was seven, and we're oh, living in Lewistown for a few years, and then we moved to Oregon. And then alaska so i had uh, uh, my early childhood was quite eclectic my father worked as a bureau of land management uh, range conservationist uh he was going to forestry college in missoula uh, university there when i when i was born in any place. case um in, during that time he was buying a, he had gone hunting in alaska in uh, sorry british columbia for moose and happened to come across places where he could buy land at uh, two thousand dollars Per quarter section for 180 acres two thousand dollars so he bought uh, on his wages working for the government he bought all uh, a a bunch of parcels together and started to create a ranch and then we'd spend summers there and winters wherever he happened to be working and so I I, as I was growing up I was actually making fence lines and and uh, herding cattle and all of that that kind of thing now we were way into the bushes in the middle of British Columbia there was no electricity. No, we didn't have any running water. We actually lived in an old trapper's cabin that was that became the ranch house. Um, it was built in the 1800s, sometime, uh, all hand-hewn uh, log structure kind of thing. And <laughs> I have lots right. of stories about when I was growing up and and the various things that happened when you're so far back in the bush with absolutely no uh, uh, help from police or firemen or uh, veterinarians or doctors or anything. If anything happened, it was you and your neighbors and that was it. So one of the most important things I learned when I was growing up, first of all, to be self-reliant, but also to help your neighbor. If it, we didn't lock any, any doors, we didn't, we left keys in the ignitions of the vehicle. If, if somebody came by and needed something, they only borrowed it if they needed it and then they replaced it as soon as possible. We all helped each other whatever we, way we could. And that was the difference between life and death in a lot of cases, when you're out there in, and, and your nearest neighbor is a mile away. So this is the uh, uh, way that I grew up. And now, of course, when I was in civilization, going to school in the winter times, and at, I had access to electricity and toilets and, such, and you had to turn on a light switch. But when we were out on the ranch, it was MacGyver all the way. You were, uh, you were doing what you could with what you had and that was it. Uh, And and so I I essentially became a jack of all trades because of the way I grew up, but also because of the way my brain is wired. I'm a little crazy that way. They gave me an IQ test when I went to college for automotive mechanics, and they gave uh, 20 questions and five minutes to answer them. Uh, I answered them all in two and a half minutes. Turns out no one in the history of the college had ever answered all those questions. (laughs) <laughs> and or completed the test, so I, essentially my mechanical IQ was off their scale. So that that just gives you a bit of a background on where I came from, and and the and I, I like I say I'm a jack of all trades skill. So when I got older, uh, it was a tradition in in our family that uh, the the boy, the children when they got old enough would be kicked out of the house, and uh, essentially a, a, my father would say a boot in the ass and a hundred bucks, and you're on your own kind of thing. <laughs> The idea being that uh, you you learn to do things on your own. If you came back to the ranch after, which I did after I went to agriculture college as well, um, uh, you you knew what was going on. You didn't just live in your parents' basement like uh, a lot of kids today do. Uh, so again, different different times, different way of growing up. And uh, I was I was happy. My my grandfather gave me hundred dollars as well, and that allowed me to travel in my 1966 Ford pickup truck down to where he was uh, in my grandfather's house. And I stayed with my grandma and grandpa for about six months while I worked for two jobs. I went into a, um, uh, uh, and those were the first jobs I'd ever had that weren't working on the ranch uh, kind of thing or working for a neighbor, ranch neighbor. And uh, they had an 11% unemployment rate. But when I went into the town, I had two jobs within a week. So I was working days as a pump jockey and nights in a plastic factory. And I did really well in those in those cases because I had a really good work ethic. What's a coffee break? <laughs> I just What a coffee break! <laughs> I, I made some of the other employees unhappy because uh, they thought I was showing them up like you know not showing up for a coffee break. I did, I didn't have any clue such thing. So anyway, I made enough money that I could continue uh, traveling, and I kind of hoboed around the states in my little pickup truck, visiting relatives and such. And then I came back to the ranch, and then. Uh, got a scholarship and went off to agriculture college. And uh, that's where I met my first wife. And we go on from there. In any case, when I left the ranch, uh, I didn't have any money to speak of. And I was interested in girls. I was wanting to meet women. And I, when I was on the ranch, I I had very little opportunity to even date anyone when I was going to high school and such, because the, uh, um, you, you pretty much had to, it was an hour bus ride to get to the ranch from the little country school that I was going to. And by the time you, what we would do is we'd get up in the morning and we'd ski or snowshoe over to wherever the cattle, the haystack was to feed the cattle and you'd fork out about four ton of hay by hand, myself and my brothers. Then we'd ski back to the to the ranch house, which was lit with candles or a lamp or something and get ready for school and, and catch, walk a few hundred yards to the end of the driveway where the bus would pick us up. Take us an hour to get to school, and then we'd have school. I love school, by the way, because <laughs> in school you didn't have to work so dang hard. And uh, so I did all the all the science courses and everything. I just enjoyed learning. And then they put you back on the bus and send you back. And it's dark again, but you still have to go out there and feed the cattle again at night, and then go to bed and get up the next morning and do the same thing again. So that was pretty much our winter times. But the uh, so I I didn't have a chance. I, there was no ac- after school activities or or even visiting neighbors uh, that had girls or anything really. There was very little uh, contact with anybody outside the family when you're growing up like that. So when I was out with my pickup truck, I was thinking, uh, how do I meet girls? It, like I, I can see that girls like money, okay? I, I This is the way I grew up, okay? I didn't realize there's a whole lot of other stuff involved in a relationship. I'm uh,
1: enjoying this a lot, George, because I would have always loved to have told my kids I walked to school in the snow every day, but I grew up on the West Coast, so I couldn't pull that one. But it was definitely different times back then. And I think the average kid now would mutiny in about two seconds if they had to deal with what you did every day.
2: Yeah, back in those days, they still had rulers that they slap your hand with. Or if you went to the principal's office, he had the paddle, you know. Yeah, they, they stopped all that stuff, too. And anyway, and my dad was a big believer in warming the posterior to uh, stimulate blood flow. To the <laughs> as well. <It> was... <laughs> and and uh, while I probably didn't appreciate it at the time, especially when he would say something like, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I think it can't be true. <laughs> Till I had kids then I understood. It, it's yeah. very difficult to have to uh, discipline your kids, even if it is something like taking away their iPod or or a cell phone these days. Uh, it, it's You don't want to do it, but you have to. There has to be some sort of consequences. In any case, back to uh, uh, girls. So I figured that I could be an inventor or a prospector. I figured those are two ways to make money. And prospecting, I did it for a while. I took a course in prospecting and, and I learned a lot and, and it's really helped me in, in a lot of different ways. All, all my trainings, my, my uh, self-taught, my, uh, my mechanics training. I'm a certified automotive technician. My, my farm management training when I went to college so I could uh, look after a branch and, or virtually anything. I could do aquaponics or trees. Or, yes. So I had the, uh, um, anyway, but it was a lot of work <laughs> looking for uh, uh, ore and stuff on. And I, I thought, you know, I, I don't want to work so hard. So I thought I'd, I'd use my brain a little more and be an inventor. And after I had married and settled down, I, I started my own business called uh, Eagle Research so I could write off my expenses, uh, inventing expenses. And I I almost immediately I stumbled upon a way of uh, increasing the fuel mileage of of uh, automobiles, and so I kind of made a business of that. That first device was called a carburetor enhancer, and and like I say, it was totally at first stumbled upon, and then and then I replicated it on purpose accidentally. <laughs> There's a whole story there as well, but the uh, uh, so I I started installing these on vehicles. And I had uh, people uh, 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 pre-scheduled to come in and have an installation for six weeks in advance. Uh, And I was approached by one of these late night talk show thing or sales show things. But wait, there's more, you know, the the old time thing. And, uh, and, And they were all interested. They even made a commercial for it. And then they realized that for $15 worth of parts in a hardware store, anybody could do this to their own vehicle. And they said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, no, there's no patent. There's no way we can control it. People can bypass us. Uh, we don't. We don't want to sell your your device." So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, if anybody can do it, why don't I just start a mail order business selling a book that tells people how to do it? By this time, I had already done a lot of research in uh, previous fuel saver patents. Uh, I I researched back uh, in the in the library in the patent library to 1975, because that's all I had time for at that particular time. And I found 5,000 fuel saver patents. Okay. So just going back 10 years from 85 to, to uh, 75, I found 5,000 fuel saver patents. The uh, wow. not one of which was on the market. So I thought, you know what? I'm I'm making a good living installing these things. I installed hundreds of them. I'm just going to write it, but I can't install them in all, every vehicle in the world. You know, there's, what, a billion uh, vehicles? So I, I said, okay, what I'll do is I'll write a book and teach people how to do it, sell the book by mail. I did really well with that. I, the, my first book was only 10 pages, and it eventually became 30 pages as I answered customer questions and and modified the book. So that was a carburetor enhancer manual. and uh, And it did really well to the point where several people started their own businesses like mine. There was one particular uh, guy. He lived a few hundred miles away from me. That uh, I think he put. He's he had two shops. He put mechanics in and started installing in his little town and installed probably one in most of the vehicles in the town. And then he retired, bought an RV, drove to my house, shook my hand, said, "See that RV? I bought that with the uh, and and now I've retired. I'm just going to be traveling around and enjoying my life. He retired from the and. What I made on that sale, four bucks. (laughs) But I made four bucks two hundred thousand times. Okay, so that I did okay.
0: What year? uh, What year was that in, George?
2: That was uh, he came to me. uh, What would that be? In about nineteen. Get get my where I was kind of thing. In about 1989, I think about 1989, he, he uh, came to me.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's about twenty four dollars now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taking inflation.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I pretty much just invested my my money back into my research, uh, my Brown's gas research. I calculated a couple of years ago. I've probably spent about two million dollars in of my own money uh, in wow. Brown's gas related things, uh, in addition to gathering information from around the world and, and a lot of very smart people, some of them smarter than me. For example, uh, William Rhodes uh, uh, back in ni- in the early 1960s, uh, now he was literally a rocket scientist. And up until in his nineties, he died. He was still uh, um, um, helping NASA with uh, various projects that, that he was doing. And he had like a hundred patents to his name. Anyway, when I was down there in Arizona, I I, I met up with him and uh, he and I got along really well. It turns out that I had pretty much duplicated his research in the 60s, myself, in my own lab, and came up with essentially the same conclusions. His notes and mine almost matched perfectly. And he let me copy his notes, which was a, a very interesting thing. Not very many inventors would do that, but he did. So what I'm saying is, uh, a lot of, but and I learned some things from him and he learned some things from me so a lot of smart people have co- collaborated to uh, learn what we've learned along the way so in the uh early um 1990s I wrote the Brownscast book one which uh had some um interesting theories which turned out to be incorrect the the conclusions are, are pretty much correct but the theory wasn't uh, correct like I I had a things I could observe were happening, like I was making more gas than I should. If I, if you look at the Faraday equations, you put a certain amount of amperage in a machine, in an electrolyzer, it should split a certain amount of water so you get a certain amount of gas. So you get this amount of amperage in, you get that amount of gas out. That's the way it should be every time, no question. And there's only 100%, which most electrolyzers don't get 100% because there's inefficiencies in one way or another. I was getting 130% gas. A Faraday
0: equation. Mm-hmm. George, so would, would you mind just for our audience just to get a definition um, of what Brown's gas is so we can kind of have a base a place we're coming from there? Um, And then also curious if you knew Yule Brown and the namesake of the gas. And were you calling it Brown's gas in that paper that you're talking about here? Um, But yes. that might help some of the audience just to have a base definition of what Brown's gas is. Okay.
2: Uh Uh, Brown's Gas, I I have a a place on my website called What is Brown's Gas? So people can go and look and see everything all laid out uh, in what is happening. But my short definition is Brown's Gas is the entire, entire gaseous mixture that evolves from an electrolyzer specifically designed not to separate the gases. So what happens is most Faraday electrolyzers have a membrane in the middle between the anode and cathode, the anode making oxygen, the cathode making hydrogen, and this membrane prevents the two gases from mixing. So your hydrogen comes out one hose and the oxygen comes out the other hose. Now, William Rhodes eliminated the membrane back in the 60s and so did I, uh, and he called it single ducted gas, meaning that the entire gaseous mixture came out the one hose. Now, uh, and, which is what the Browns gas electrolyzers do. It turns out that when you do it that way, when you don't have a membrane in between the two electrodes, something called an electron bridge is formed. And that was, the, the, nobody ever saw the electron bridge until uh, 2019. I was introduced to it when I was speaking at a water conference in Bad Soden, Germany. Uh, the, the speaker just before me, I, I described this electron bridge in his electrolysis experiments, and I said, "That's it." <laughs> yeah.
0: I saw that. I recently watched your talk, that talk, your stage <laughs> talk. There, it's it's great one, guys. We can put the link in the show notes below.
2: Excellent. So, in any case, uh, that's what happened. Was we I, I found out about the electron bridge, but I had theorized that something like that had to exist beforehand because I I built electrolyzers that were transparent. And I could see a third gas coming out of the center of the fluid between the two electrodes, between the anode and cathode. Uh, Somewhere in the middle of it, there was a a third gas coming out, the line of bubbles being so dense that it almost looked like another electrode in and of itself. So just as much gas was coming out of the center of the electrolysis machine, or cell, as was coming off the anode, which would be the oxygen, or the cathode, which would have been the hydrogen. So this third gas in the middle, I theorized to be something I called electrically expanded water. Now, at that point, I wasn't uh, realizing it was actually the plasma form of water, a negatively charged plasma form of water, which is what it actually is. But I called it electrically expanded water because I theorized that the water was absorbing electrons similar to a sponge absorbing water. And it, when it would get swelled up to a certain point full of energy, it would turn into a gaseous form of water that was not water vapor or steam. If you condense this electrically expanded water, or sorry, cool it, it does not condense. Like water vapor or steam with thermal energy will condense when you take that thermal energy away. It'll condense into a liquid. But this uh, electrically expanded water, if you cool it, it doesn't condense.
0: So molecularly, it's something completely different.
2: Right. Right. than than water vapor or steam. So it's a gaseous form of water. Now, why that's important with browns gas is now we've got the three gases coming out. You've got your oxygen, you've got your hydrogen, and you've got the electrically expanded water, all coming out the same tube, which we are inhaling in all three of our little uh, browns gas machines right now. Okay, the electrically expanded water is important for health because the electrons are bioavailable. And it's really important, hydrogen is good. Hydrogen supplementation is is essential these days for many reasons we can get into in a little bit later if if necessary. But uh, when you add the the electrically expanded water to it, you get a whole nother realm and it's looking like about 30% more therapeutic efficacy. So whatever hydrogen can do, the Brown's gas does about 30% better as far as health is concerned. Because when the body is, sick or has ailments, uh, usually the energy reserves have been depleted and the energy generation systems have been compromised. So the body has very low energy state when, you, when, it, when it gets sick and, and needs energy to get well. And hydrogen does nothing. Hydrogen is totally inert by itself. It's like a brick, a pile of bricks sitting in the woods. You wouldn't expect a pilot to come back in two years and see a pile of bricks built into a brick house. Somebody has to take those bricks and place them intelligently. And the body knows how to do that. So when you get the hydrogen, which is essentially nutrition, because as as it was said, our bodies are 62% hydrogen by volume, not by weight, but by volume, 62% hydrogen. Everything in our body, every chemical process, everything that we're built from, everything depends on hydrogen directly or indirectly so our bodies know how to heal and when we get the nutrition necessary to do so the body puts the building blocks where it needs to go so for example i had scars on my body one uh here on my forehead which was about a half an inch or a centimeter square uh where i'd been doing a stupid thing with a with a uh with an air wrench uh, and I hadn't put an actual air wrench socket on it. I put a regular socket on it and I saw it wiggle twice and then slam me in the forehead. (laughs) (laughs) There was blood everywhere. It wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but anyway, I ended up with a scar from that and uh, that scar has disappeared along with most of the other scars on my body and a lot of other things that have happened to increase my health. But in any case, my point is, that my body was hydrogen deficient at the time, and and I was living on the ranch. I was living a good life with uh, my mom. Had a half an acre garden. Uh, it was, and we were growing all our peas and carrots and 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 celery and and uh, rhubarb and just everything that they were growing out there. So I was eating straight from the earth uh, for the most part. Uh, we only went to town once, and it wasn't us boys or anything. It was just dad and maybe mom would go to town once a month to pick up anything that was happened to be needed. But for the most part, we ate wild game and and uh, we didn't eat beef. We were, we grew beef, and but we didn't eat beef because that we could sell that for money, right? <laughs> so we would we eat deer and and elk and moose and and uh, don't eat beaver. Beaver tastes like wood. I'll, I'll just give you that. Tip <laughs> <of fun>. <laughs>
1: Never <laughs> so, had a beaver burger.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So back to the uh, uh, healing. What happens is if you're hydrogen deficient, your body knows how to keep itself alive. Like just another example is if you're out in the cold and you're getting hypothermia, your body will shut down blood flow to your extremities to preserve core temperature. Now your body, if it doesn't have enough nutrition like hydrogen, it starts shutting down extraneous systems that aren't immediately life-threatening, one of which is your body's, uh, um, regeneration systems like stem cells and such. So instead of healing the skin, it just put a patch on it. So I wouldn't bleed out so that I had that scar. Once my body had enough nutrition that it could go back and, and heal that, it did. It, it, my scar disappeared because my body had now has the nutrition necessary to make that go away. And I have many other things that, that happened. And I'll just go down the hierarchy a little bit we we have the regeneration systems the next, next thing the body starts shutting down is the immune systems the body has many different kinds of immune systems but if it doesn't have enough nutrition to support those and life it starts shutting them off and so people get sick easier and they and, and of all different kinds of things that they wouldn't get sick with if they had enough nutrition and then if you still don't have enough hydrogen your organs start to fail and you die it it'll so you want to get your hydrogen supplementation at least. Now, I don't yeah, have time and- to go into all of the different kinds of hydrogen machines. And, and I just go with the Brown's gas machine because, again, my time is limited. So I just I just go with the top tier, which has the electrically mm-hmm. expanded water in addition to the hydrogen. So that gives you a bit of an idea of what Brown's gas is and why it's important uh, in our in our conversations here. As for Fantastic. Brown,
1: Yeah, Go ahead. I was just going to make a, a quick comment. I, I don't want to hold that thought real quick. Um, I know you'll probably get into it, but you know, our gut uh, when we digest food, you know, that's where microbes in the interaction with the uh, nutrition make hydrogen internally in our bodies. And the only, um, and you can expand on that uh, if you care to, but um, the point is, is people's guts are in horrible shape these days with the advent of uh, overuse of antibiotics and also with uh, a lot of the biotoxins that are inundating our ecology, our foodstuffs, it's really denuded our gut ecology. So that really compromised hydrogen production. And I'm really glad you're going into a um, uh, you know, more of a differentiation between hydrogen and Brown's gas, because you're very generous and and it's not a competition for you at all, as far as other units on the market. And you're always careful to say that hydrogen is very beneficial, but there are a lot of uh, comments out there made by people, you know, that meanwhile, I'm sure, but they represent different technologies. So they will kind of oversell, you know, one thing, you know, maybe with uh different interest involved. So it's it's really important that people understand the difference between Brown's gas and the addition of electrons. So uh, please, sorry for the interruption.
2: Yes. I, I, I have another in my frequently asked questions page on my website, one that says, what's the best way to get hydrogen into my body? And I compare nine different technologies. So if people want to get educated and know what the best way for them like there, there may be times when a hydrogen machine is better than a brown's gas machine, uh, because, for example, brown's gas machines have more maintenance. You're gonna you're gonna have to clean it out because of the sludge that's formed. Uh, it requires now the machines I build require you tip it over and it weighs about 16 pounds, so you know you got to lift it and there's there's a certain amount of maintenance is required with the brown's gas that isn't necessarily required with a lot of the hydrogen only generation machines like the PEM technology. Uh, But there's the care and feeding and maintenance of any of these technologies, you have to be careful or you can destroy them in a hurry. For example, the PEM machines, you still have to put in as pure distilled water as possible. No anything, you can't just put in tap water because the uh, PEM membrane uh, will be or SPE, whichever they're calling it, solid polymer electrolyte, uh, has teeny micropores in it, and they'll get destroyed really quickly or plugged if there's any impurities in the water. Plus, the, uh, the various metals that they use in them can get uh, eroded away because they have to use fairly high voltages per cell. So they, they have a limited lifespan, uh, which is one of the advantages of the Aquacure, for example. It should last a minimum of 20 years. Whereas these PEM technologies, if they go three or four years, that's 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 really good. But only if you do if you care and maintain it well. Some people can destroy it within ten hours if they're putting in like, uh, they think, oh, I'm going to put in some uh, sea salt in my in there to help the process along or something. Oh boy, yeah, game over. So in any case, uh, getting back to the gut, I I, I absolutely agree. Uh, it's the microbiome in the gut. People need to doesn't need to know but it's good to know where do we get our hydrogen from like we can't inhale it like oxygen where if it's so important and it and it and it comes from god where do we get it because i do believe it's a god molecule as well because the hydrogen atom uh forms is the basis for everything and if you go with the alchemy uh we can we'll probably get into it a little bit later but uh i think i've discovered the philosopher's stone you'll be excited to hear about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so in any case, Great. getting back to the uh, um, gut, we, we masticate our food, we chew it and put in some enzymes, starting with our saliva. We we go down into an acid bath in our tummy, uh, in our stomach, and we go out and, and put in the bile and uh, get our microbiome going in the little small intestines. Some things are coming out of it there, but it isn't until the colon that we have the specialized bacteria, it's supposed to have the specialized bacteria that actually finish splitting the hydrogens off of the hydrocarbon food that we eat. So there is hydrogen in the food that we eat. It's mostly hydrogen, just like our own bodies. But hydrogen and carbon are really bound together, really, really bound there. Hydrogen sticks to things really well. The atomic bonds, the energy to take, the, to take apart those atomic bonds takes every enzyme and catalyst that we can get. And even then there's, there's bacteria that are, are specialized in finishing that process. And now you have free hydrogen gas in your colon that then uh, goes directly through the colon wall into your bloodstream. So your colon is actually a a breathing thing that breathes similar to your lungs. In fact, if they put oxygen into the colon, they can uh, sometimes eliminate it. Like people having lung problems, they can help them get oxygen just by putting it up the rectum. So in any case, so if you have gas coming out your backside and it doesn't stink, that's mostly hydrogen. If it stinks, then you're getting into the sulfides and the and the methane and stuff like that. So, uh, which are incomplete digestion. If you've got pretty much complete digestion, you're having hydrogen and carbon dioxide, which uh, neither of those have uh, an odor. So in any case, <clears throat> the uh, that's where we're getting our hydrogen from is our food. And as you pointed out, things like glyphosate, uh, antibiotics. Antibiotics, a miracle, definitely a miracle, but, While they're killing the bad bacteria, they're killing the good bacteria as well. And we need that microbiome. So, um, And then there's artificial sweeteners and and glyphosate and all all these that have just decimated those poor bacteria that we really need. So we've become hydrogen deficient because we're not getting everything out of our food that we should be. Okay. So the gut is So people
1: should be very careful of uh, having any uh, ignition if they're passing hydrogen gas. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh man, there's so many jokes just randomly. That, that reminds
0: me of a terrible south park <laughs> south park episode where they were finding a new uh, energy to power vehicles anyways go ahead
2: yes absolutely. sorry no worries no worries we got to have fun too in fact what's life worth living if you're not having some fun
0: i'll tell you this the chat is having a lot of fun today
2: Okay, a that Brown's, good.
0: Browns gas jokes. Go ahead, George.
2: I, I believe it. Yes, and now we get back to Yule Brown and Browns gas, and and that was one of those things where it was kind of nice to call it hydroxy or HHO. Hydroxy was a term invented by uh, Alvin Crosby in New Zealand, who was in a partnership with Yule Brown at the time that Yule Brown was living in Australia, and Alvin made his own design of a hydroxy machine, which he then called it the hydroxy gas to differentiate it from the Browns gas, even though. It was the same gas, so you get these people making trade names, and then there was a person uh, in Florida by the name of Denny Klein, who has since passed away as well, um, who made another type of machine. He called it Aquagen, and he uh, and he and he uh, trade named HHO. So, along with uh, um, Santini, Professor Santini, he uh, he he uh, got a lot of television um, um, viewing. And, and millions of people saw it, so they they all started calling it HHO. I called it Brown's Gas because when I first learned about Brown's Gas, I didn't know about William Rhodes had originally invented it and Yul Brown in his patents had referenced William Rhodes's patents. Uh, but when I learned about it, it was called Brown's Gas and Yul uh, Brown spent uh, 30 plus years of his life, the last 30 plus years of his life, promoting the gas worldwide. And as an inventor, I believe in giving people credit where credit is due. Now, William Rhodes essentially uh, tabled it and dropped it, but Yul Brown spent his life putting it together. Now, (laughs) Yul Brown also tried to sue me (laughs) (laughs) during the time when you guys were running around with um, Dennis Lee and uh, Ah. promoting the Browns Gas. uh, Yul Brown actually sent lawyers after me to uh, to stop me from uh, writing or selling the Browns Gas book one. Because wow. I was calling it Brown's Gas and and people could see how to build a little Brown's Gas electrolyzer of their own from my Brown's Gas book one and Brown's Gas book two. Uh, but I was able to prove to his lawyers that he had already made the name public domain. He hadn't trademarked it. And I had the right to write what I wanted when, it, and, and I was trying to give the guy credit. Yeah. And I do still. Even so,
0: Old world thinking, we talk about a lot, like we're moving into an open source everything society, patents are honey traps to actually steal and, and hide technology by upper, you know, echelon elite, wannabe elite, you know, people who wanna hide technology, right? So you're doing it right, George, open sourcing it, getting it out to the world so people can work on it and tinker themselves. Everybody knows that you're getting all the due credit you deserve, right? Um, There's this weird thing where people want to hold on to the credit, the discovery and own it all. And what ends up happening with a lot of those people is they become broke themselves and shattered by the technology being stolen or then being isolated by their own need to control and hold on to it. So props to you. We're, We're big fans of the sort of the open source aesthetic. I work in decentralized technology as well. So I really appreciate how you handle that. Just wanted to put that out there.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. It it was difficult choices to make at first because a person has a certain mindset. If you're an inventor, you patent things. That's just the way it was done, right? Um, but the way things developed, I realized it would... Uh, and, and if you look on my website, you'll see I have 12 reasons why I don't patent. It, because I thought about it. You, you think about... Because you have an invention. The world does not beat a path to your door if you have a better mousetrap. They don't you have to you have to put as much thought into the marketing of whatever it is as you did into the actual making of the invention so good marketers are good uh, teammates to have with uh, inventors if the inventor can get out of his own way because like Yul brown uh, he was he was his own worst enemy he tried to hold on to things too tightly and he actually died from an infection in his leg that he wouldn't go to a hospital to have treated uh and Interestingly enough, the Browns guess that he would worked on all of his life probably would have helped him heal, and it's just ironic how these things happen when, when people try to hold things in. Yeah, when
0: you open source things, it allows for other minds to come in and work on the technology with you. And if he would have been open to have a community working with him, someone like yourself could have said, hey, why don't you try putting the gas through a bubbler onto that wound or whatever? And uh, in a weird way, karmic repercussions, you know, from that sort of egoic mindset. It's That's very, fascinating.
2: Very true. So because I was in the fuel saver business, I experimented with Brown's gas as a combustion enhancement gas and did really well. The, that still works on automotive, automobiles today uh, with fuel inject- electronic fuel injection. You get about a 25% increase in your fuel mileage on average but uh, with the Brown's gas. And I started making the water torches which was uh, electrolyzers large enough to provide enough gas to fuel an oxyacetylene torch replacing acetylene with the Brown's gas. And I was doing very well with that as well. Like it, And that's part of what you guys were doing with Dennis Lee, is promoting that type of technology. And then as I was doing that in 1996, one of my Water Torch customers got back to me with a story that I did not believe, quite frankly, but he had a melanoma on his forehead. Okay, skin cancer, you don't fool around with. It's—it's, it's, It metastasizes and, and goes everywhere, anyway. He had this melanoma, and what he did was he bubbled the Browns gas in water and then soaked a cotton uh, uh, ball with that and put it in a plastic bottle cap, just a bottle cap off of a regular bottle, taped it to his forehead, re-soaked the uh, cotton ball a few times a day, and in three weeks' time, the melanoma was gone. I did not believe him. Like I I was working with this gas as a combustible gas. I couldn't see being healthful like that. and. Where did he get the idea of using Brown's gas for health anyway, to do this? Like, where did that inspiration come? It, I, I I was a Brown's gas expert. I didn't think any such thing. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <clears throat> In any case, I did send out, I, I, was, I was open enough to it. I did send out to my mailing list of several thousand people um, that there was a possible benefit of the Brown's gas therapeutically. And so people started to like, they had various Brown's gas machines. They started bubbling in water and starting to get back to me with their testimonials. And it was some pretty amazing testimonials. And then there was a doctor who came up, uh, chiropractor, excuse me, I I apologize. Uh, uh, Lloyd Jacob um, came up because he was working with oxygen therapies and ozone. And he knew that Brown's gas had oxygen in it. So he thought that that Brown's gas would possibly be healthful uh, in his practice. So he got a machine, he had a machine built actually from my Brown's guest book too, because you can build your own machine from that. And the, um, and you still can. And it, it costs about, well, at that time it was costing about $500 plus a dollar per liter uh, design. So if you wanted a thousand liter per hour machine it was about $1,500 to build a machine at that time. Prices have gone much greater since then. But uh, in any case, built he, he had a guy build a machine in Spokane Washington and for about a year that machine operated fine but then it broke down and and the testimonials he was giving back were just amazing now a chiropractor knows like if you've got a sore muscle he knows where to uh push and and manipulate and and uh and and this particular chiropractor was never able to adjust his wife his w- <laughs> interestingly enough his I guess his wife was just too stiff for him but when he put the Browns gas on her spine, he was able to adjust her. And and uh, when that machine broke down, the person who had, had built it for him had moved away. Uh, so he called me up desperate on the phone because I was selling commercial machines at that time. Uh, you could not need to just build your own. And uh, saying, I'm out of business unless I get a Browns gas machine immediately. Because when his customers, his clients, I learned that they weren't going to get a Browns gas treatment at the same time as the chiropractic treatment. They said, "Oh, we'll wait till you get your machine fixed." (laughs) It was so beneficial they didn't even want to come in for a chiropractic treatment unless they were also getting the Browns gas uh, uh, enhancement. So he he drove up that day, bought a machine, and and uh, drove back to Spokane and was back in business. Now that particular machine has an additional uh, factor that uh, we can get into a little bit later with uh, transmutation, so we'll just try to remember to uh, get into transmutation a little bit and we'll come back to that. So that's how I, I learned about uh, uh, Browns Gas for Health initially. Now, I didn't bubble the water with the Browns Gas until 2005. They told me that in, in 1996, I personally didn't do it until 2005 when enough people had gotten back to me with, the, so my customers were telling me how to do this.
0: <laughs> that's the I open source aesthetic my... right there baby <laughs> okay um so you were drinking were you drinking it at that time um i started or...
2: drinking in 2005 yeah okay so i i get a, a bottle and i bubble it and and i I'd, I'd drink the water okay uh and between 2005 and 2007 i didn't get sick i used to get a cold or a flu three times a winter and i didn't get sick Not at all, not even a sniffle. And I thought, this is pretty good. And that alone was enough for me to, uh, and, and I was doing it myself to make sure that it wouldn't harm anyone if they were drinking the water. I wanted to make sure that I did it for myself first, and then I would recommend it to people, and I did. And at that point, I made, I'd already been making these tabletop electrolyzers I call the ER-50. So I modified it slightly so that people could bubble water in that. So instead of spending thousands of dollars on a machine, just a few hundred dollars, they'd have a machine that they could bubble the water, tabletop and have the water to drink. So from 2007 to March of 2016, I didn't inhale the gas because even though my customers were now asking, okay, these people are all drinking the Brown's gas, the hydrogen rich water, Brown's gas water um, and, and having these amazing testimonials that were coming in. And you could also use the gas on on your skin and uh, for uh, rashes and, and uh, age spots and all kinds of things that people were using it on their skin or the bubbled water on the skin. So we had three different modalities. You could drink the water, you could use the water on the skin, or you could use the gas on the skin. People were asking if they could inhale the gas. And I misinformed them for years <clears throat> because I was used to the gas being a combustible gas, and it is. If you if you take this and, and you ignite that gas right there, there will be an explosion going back down into the hoses. The explosion won't go out into the room, but it'll go down the hose and, and back toward the machine, which is designed to handle that sort of thing because it is a combustible gas. Okay, so don't do that at home. If you want to fill a balloon- Is that why outside, my hair turned
1: white since I've been inhaling this?
2: <laughs> well, if you look at my first time that Just I kidding. inhaled- uh, you've probably seen that video on uh, YouTube. You will see that my mustache was pure white at that mm-hmm. time in 1996, or, or sorry, 2016. Excuse me. In 2016, March of 2016, when I first inhaled the gas, uh, I had. Um, there's a bit of a story there, but you'll see that my I, I, I videotaped myself doing it at first because again I was doing it to see if there was going to be any harm, and I felt if there was a harm for some reason. Uh, people would at least see my stupidity. It'd be on videotape. (laughs) So you could look at me there and see what I looked like then and what I look like now. Uh, I I think you'll see that I look 20 years younger. Okay. And I just compare that to the pictures that I've taken, that have been taken of me over this particular time of my life. So in, um, in December of 2015, a customer sent me a video of a hydrogen bar in Korea where they were using Epoch machines these, I knew them to be Browns gas machines that were made in Korea uh, and and the people would come in and have a hydrogen treatment um, just like we buy a cup of coffee. And I realized at that point how stupid I was uh, because I knew if you mix enough uh, hydrogen in air, it's non-combustible, so when the hydrogen is coming out here <clears throat> and it's mixing with the air, uh, it's non-combustible. You can have this. You can have this machine next to an open flame, like a fireplace or an oven or uh, whatever. It, it will not explode the, unless you get the flame within an inch or two of the uh, of the of it coming out. You have a non non-explosive gas. So when I inhale. I have a bunch of air going sucking up into my lungs, that's that's sucking in the, with the gas. So about two percent of the uh, of of what I'm sucking in is the gas, of which uh, only a third, uh, two thirds of that is the hydrogen. That's what's going into my lungs and is non combustible. So that and the gas itself is one hundred percent non toxic. There's there's nothing toxic about the brown's gas. There's uh it doesn't pretty much doesn't do anything. The body does everything. It's a building block, it's a nutrition. It doesn't brown's gas, doesn't kill anything. it it in fact, there's some theory that back when God created the planet and there was uh, something called a firmament above the uh, planet, that our atmosphere may have had a significant portion, less less than four percent, obviously, of hydrogen in it, in the atmosphere already and the uh and we may have been designed to inhale the, uh, the the hydrogen
0: there's this so, theory about the vapor canopy uh and how we might have had this super hydrogen rich atmosphere and everything grew really big
2: yes grew big huge and the uh um and lived a long time like like hundreds maybe maybe even sometimes thousands of Methuselah. years Methuselah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but even Adam, you know, Adam, I mean, a first man, uh, and and several of those. You go into the begats and after Genesis, and you're going to get the uh, uh, these people. They lived long, long lifespans. Had lots of progeny. Go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. All right. So they, uh, getting back to our our uh, inhalation, then we have the uh, brown's gas. Shoot, I, I kind of lost the train of my thought there.
1: Yes, well, okay. you'll also explain so we, your. Yeah, I got it. I
2: got it. I got it. So we okay. Go in, for it. in uh, December of 2015. That's when I first learned and realized that I could be inhaling the gas. But at that point, my life had gone sideways. A few years earlier, in about uh, uh, 2009, my late wife got very sick, and she was battling various uh, illnesses. And but we didn't realize what the actual problem was. She actually had a severe form of lupus. So when her pancreas started to fail, uh, we just thought it was diabetes and we were uh, dealing with that and v- various things along the line as her organs were failing. Um, by the time December of 2015 came along, I was a 24 seven caretaker. I, had, I hadn't I had worked in years. All my research had been put aside uh, and, and uh, my shop had been put in uh, um, <clears throat> storage. I I couldn't work we were spending money uh, by that time I was about $300,000 in debt and I and because we we did everything we could to try to help this woman this amazing multimedia artist she she ran a montessori school for example as one of the uh, things that she had done in her, her past um just just I I learned so much from her uh, about how things really work uh, not science related but more life related so this woman i we were trying to keep her alive and by this time she was just skin and bones at the point where and and i had to lift her to take her to, to carry her to the toilet uh, she couldn't even roll over in bed without assistance she uh, she was had pretty much lost her hair and her eyesight and and, and her body was just failing in, in every way that it was possible to do so but I still, I, I, I knew there had to be something that we could do, and we just kept trying whatever we could to uh, to save her. And in the end, uh, she went to the hospital in March of 2016 and and died. So the uh, that was a really difficult time for me. You can't be a 24 seven caretaker for somebody that you love and not have it just really affect you badly. So for about a week or so I couldn't even get off the couch. I never slept in our bed again. That 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 just couldn't happen. And I I decided that I needed to do something rather than just stare off into space. So I set up this ER50 that I had there for bubbling in water and I uh I I set it up to be inhaling and I thought <laughs> I really didn't care if I lived or died at that point. I I I just didn't care. My grief was so great sometimes, my chest would hurt so bad, I'd realize I literally hadn't taken a breath in a while. I'd have to consciously breathe to keep my body going. Wow. So in any case, I started inhaling the Brown's gas, and incidentally, that saved my life. I did not realize it at the time, but doctors have since pointed out that it's almost impossible to be despondent or depressed when you're inhaling the Brown's gas it affects your body that way. So people are, are doctors are using the Browns gas as a therapy for people that are depressed. So in any case, I was very depressed. The, uh, so when I started inhaling, um, I, I did that video and, <clears throat> excuse me. The next thing that happened was I started getting testimonials back after I told people they could inhale and how to modify their machines that they are there were thousands of ER50s out there at that point how to in modify their machines so they could inhale and a lot of people, hundreds of people did. and one woman about three months after this got back in touch with me and said she had lupus symptoms and in three weeks' time they were gone and that. Remember my life with my wife for almost 10 years, we fought this disease and she died a slow lingering death. In three weeks time, this woman's lupus symptoms were gone. Now she didn't have the severe that my wife's did, but I had in my shop, Brown's gas. God had told me about Brown's gas for therapeutic in 1996. I had the Brown's gas for that amount of time. And we never thought to use it therapeutically of all the things that we were doing. So I couldn't, I, that floored me. Well, I wasn't on the couch. I was on the floor. I could not even get off the floor at that point. This woman's testimonial literally floored me until I realized I could help people. I could make sure to the best of my ability, that there was a Browns gas machine in every home. And that's what I'm doing. And the testimonials that come in almost every day help me get up at three o'clock in the morning and I work until sometimes 8 p.m. at night, doing everything I can to make sure that as many people as possible get Browns gas in their home. Now I can't do it myself. Again, we look back on the days when I had people lined up in the driveway in six weeks with the carburetor enhancer booked in advance. I can't help everybody on the planet get this absolutely amazing and needed technology. So I'm putting together a course that will help people do what I did, make duplicate these Aquacure machines in their own home and sell them. The course is $10,000, So it's not free, and I've already invested $100,000 into making this course. We, we will have this course relatively soon, and people in their own homes can, can now put Brown's Gas in their own communities. See, I, can, I can't serve every community. I, I am selling Aquacure machines worldwide, thousands of them, but it all comes back to one location on the planet. You can't do that. You can't, you can't service the machines. You can't help the people locally. You can't rent the machines. You can't, you can't make sure that, that people can have a low-cost option. Sorry. It's, uh, it's But if I can teach other people how to do this and they can have their own business, separate from me, this technology will, at grassroots, develop... Uh, we don't have to worry about the medical community... Saying it's okay or not, people know what results are. People tell people. I haven't advertised in all the in all the time I've I've been selling these Aquacure machines. I haven't once advertised. I have spoken on podcasts like yours. I I really appreciate these platforms, and that's it. That's all I've done. I've just spoken up. Mostly, it's word of mouth. People who are getting results speak to their friends and family and neighbors, and they they buy machines. they they just come organically the whole thing is growing and so if we can start a bunch of other manufacturers in every country then we don't have customs issues and uh, supply chain issues as much and all that kind of stuff people are developing them locally so that's what I'm doing in addition to helping as many people as I can personally I'm I'm expanding and trying to get as many other people doing it as possible I, I don't need I don't need the money I'm I don't need to be an Elon Musk, a billionaire. I don't need to make a, a gigafactory in in every country to build these things myself. If I can get it out there and and help spread the health, but also the wealth, so everybody's they they have a business it's an essential business. If if there's a lockdown or a shutdown, the people don't have to worry about the uh, uh, being out of business because they have a health business. They're essential, and they can. They can make these things for friends and family, and there is no better thing than to be helping other people and getting the gratitude back from people who have been helped with with these various technologies. So that that's my story and my passion of why I'm doing it and what I'm doing about it. And now we can get into some other uh, things about the Browns gas. Well, I, I, go ahead.
1: The, George, thank you for sharing with that. Uh, you know, I know it's painful um but you know and all i can say is god bless you because uh you know what you've contributed from the suffering you had is um you know definitely is uh obviously your purpose so thank you um so please uh go on and and i was uh you know just to segue more into the technology um which i know you'll get into and you're talking about uh, the combustibility of hydrogen and so forth you also have um uh, on the AquaCure, you know, a, a means to control the percentage, uh, you know, and so forth to make it safe and also customized to every individual. So, um, and then also, I know you recommend giving the, uh, or taking both the inhalation and uh, drinking infused water. So, if there's any way you could wait, you know, one versus the other, uh, you know, if if somebody were to choose one or the other, I prefer doing both. But any comments you have on that? So thanks again.
2: Yeah, I, actually, I'll address that first. There are ailments that are best handled, mitigated by drinking the water. And by the way, I'm not um, any doctor or prescribing or any of those things. So you can look on my website and see my medical disclaimer. And I encourage people to do that. <laughs> so. Uh, however scientific studies have shown that there are uh, um, ailments that are best mitigated by drinking the hydrogen rich water and whenever i say hydrogen rich water i i actually do the brown's gas because i'm not only getting the hydrogen but the electrically expanded water as well so anything that hydrogen rich water can do brown's gas can do better okay so that qualification all right and there are things that inhaling does best like you be drinking the water for example in my own case, uh, I I was drinking the water and I didn't get sick, but my neuropathies continued to like I had my shins were going numb did go numb, uh, my the palm of my left hand went completely numb and, and the and the and the, and numbness was continuing. Uh, by the way, you can see a little bruise on this particular finger here. I I slammed it in a door. I wasn't paying attention, and within within a day the pain was gone and and it's healing. It's it it's very fast. I sprained my shoulder bad enough. I was I was pounding fence posts. You know, sixty year old man running around now pounding pounding fence posts. <laughs> sprained my shoulder. I knew that was going to take about three weeks to heal. Three days. Three days. I had full functionality and strength back in in my shoulder. It was bad sprain, but took care of that. So in any case, we we shoot. I get off on so many segues, I kind of lose my thought for, for just a minute. Um, getting back to, what was I talking uh, about? Breathing it. Breathing, inhaling. So you're inhaling the gas um, and the, and a lot of things get mitigated there. So what I say is to do the both because your body needs the, the uh, fluid hydration of the uh, water anyway, and then the inhaling happens. And in myself, uh, all the time that I was drinking the water from 2005 to March of 2016, my neuropathies, my tinnitus, my eyesight, my, uh, my hair, I was losing my hair and it was growing uh, gray what was left, or, or totally white. I now have gray hair and and it's coming back color. Um, I still had my heart murmur. I had uh, a long list of things that if you go to my website, eagle-research.life, L-I-F-E, so eagle like the bird, then a hyphen mark, then research.life and look at about me you'll see the long list of things that that i had wrong with me that were started to be mitigated as soon as i started to inhale the gas so one of the first things that happened when i started to inhale was my psoriasis uh disappeared and and it didn't just disappear like it was just gone it i I had thick peeling skin on my elbows knees and feet and or, or thick skin and i just thought it was calluses i grew up on a cattle ranch you know this the, the the hat is uh is not just for show <laughs> so the um it started to peel off like a snake shedding its skin like the, the uh the, this this uh thick stuff started to peel off and and that was very disconcerting to have your skin just kind of peeling off but underneath was baby smooth skin brand new skin underneath uh and so that psoriasis it just disappeared um and, and so that was one of the first things that i had noticed uh, that was happening and i didn't start inhaling because i thought i would get healthy i i had no clue of that whatsoever i i thought i was inhaling just to prove it was safe to inhale so that that i wouldn't i wouldn't be harming anyone first do no harm right so the uh uh when these, when these things started to happen, and then, then I started to get feeling back in, in the palm of my hand, I was afraid I was going to lose the use of my left hand, because it was going completely numb, I started to get feeling back in my hand, and then I realized about the time that the feeling was fully back, and I had full strength, oh, by the way, arthritis as well, I had uh, um, a a pain, a lot of pain, and, and uh, inflammation, and, and, I, and I was losing strength because of it, and now I have full strength and and flexibility, uh, absolutely pain free, pain free everywhere. I, oh man, you, you know when you're getting older, you get a few pains, right? Just imagining pain free everywhere, like when you're young and you, and you're you think you're invincible. It's like it's it's amazing. To well, live I can
1: say myself, um, you know, after uh, being on this for a while. Um, I played contact sports, you know, way too long. And so since I've been doing the Browns gas, uh, my body definitely wakes up a lot easier in the morning.
2: Yes. Yes. And you get moving and, and away you go.
0: I decided to start surfing every day at 44 and uh, get the hip pain and the back pain. And I take the little cup with the, and I hit certain areas, you know, um, with that attachment and uh, as well as doing the the air uh, stuff, and I feel like a spring chicken. I gotta say, like I feel better than I did in my twenties, in my forties right now. And I attribute a lot to to this hitting this every day. So thank you.
2: Yes, and it and the younger, I want people the younger as possible to start on it. Like even if they're infants, and the Aqua is designed, as you pointed out, to be able to adjust the gas volume down to be safe for infants inhaling as well, because you don't want to inhale a mixture that contains more than four point seven percent hydrogen, because that's potentially explosive. Okay. So uh, the the sooner you can do it, because there was mouse studies, uh, rodent studies, mice and rats so far that have shown that when they're given the browns gas at a 2% mixture, they have like a little terrarium so that they don't have to put a little face mask on every mouse. They just, that's in the atmosphere, like maybe it used to be back in the firmament days. So in any (laughs) case, the, uh, the, the mice would live a minimum of 30%, the least was 30% longer healthfully, healthful longer. And then mostly it was up in the 50%. And one particular rat study, uh, I don't know how far they were going, but well beyond 50%. uh, The study ended, they had, they they euthanized the rats. (laughs) It's like, wouldn't die. (laughs) So the sooner you can start, the better off it'll be. But in any case, even uh, older, getting rid of a lot of the ailments that have happened because of the lack of hydrogen. So we get down to the uh, it was happening with myself. Again, my uh, my uh, my organs healed in that I had a heart murmur for 50 years. I went I went for a physical and I told the doctor a, a new physical. I was in a new town and getting a new doctor. I told the doctor I had a heart murmur. He says, "No, you don't." <laughs> that was pretty amazing. Uh, so I no longer had to take antibiotics before getting dental work done. And and my dentist tells me, "I wish all my my uh, patients were like you." not because I have bad teeth, but because I still have all my original teeth it, without any cavities or anything. It's it, Now, I got a good start back on the ranch because I was eating natural foods and not uh, having a lot of unnatural things going into my body, which I, I won't bother going into right at the moment, but I got a good start and I managed to maintain it. So that was good. But so your organs start to heal. And then uh, as mine did, and then my immune system was turning back on. And I got rid of warts. I had a planter's wart on my foot. I, I know, kind of gross. And uh, it, it was gross for me too. I, and and hand warts. I had hand warts almost all my life. and be, I got them from my best friend, and you know, you just pass things among each other. <laughs> They're gone. So those are viruses. and my and so my body immune system was strong enough to get rid of these viruses that I had hanging around uh, all my life, virtually. And then, my scars disappeared. Now, this, all of this happened over months of time. And I think it was about three years in, I, I realized that I was washing my toes in the shower, like a st- stork standing on one foot, washing my toes without leaning against the wall. It was I, I, before I'd have to, I'd lost my balance at some point. I'd have to lean against the wall in order to do that. And I realized, hey, I'm freestanding here. <laughs> and so... It continues over time to uh, it help the body continue to heal and get better. So to get back to it, some things are best with the drinking. And there are people like Tyler Barron, who is a hydrogen expert. And you could go to his website, molecularhydrogeninstitute.com. And uh, he promotes hydrogen tablets and and a few things like that. He's very much into the hydrogen. He's he's not knocking Brown's gas, but, but he says, There's not enough scientific evidence and his reputation is too great. He can't like promote it until he sees more uh, on that. But in any case, uh, Tyler LeBaron consulted with me back in 2007 when I was first starting to, and he was an intern back then, not a doctor. And before he went to Japan and uh, did his uh, residency and came back as a doctor specializing in hydrogen. So he, he consulted with me back then. And so we know each other. And I would say that he's probably the best uh, molecular hydrogen website on the internet, as far as that concern for uh, looking after what's actually happening in a lot of cases. And Dr. McCullough really likes uh, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Tyler LeBaron as well. Mm -hmm. And Tyler LeBaron is, Um, uh, go ahead.
1: uh, Finish your thought about Tyler. Oh, he's
2: a, uh, one of the things that McCullough pointed out, is that uh, Tyler lifts like 400 bench presses, like 400 pounds? <laughs> yeah, he's really strong. He he uh, great. We, we all we all walk the talk here. We we do our thing.
1: Amazing. You know, I wanted to make a quick comment. Uh, something I didn't learn in medical school, but have learned since, which I believe is very uh, valid, is that the body, the human body, like all things in this universe, operates on two poles. And if you look at our body uh, in, in in that perspective, um, we have the neurological pole and the metabolic pole, and we could really get into the weeds with that. But the point is, is the lungs are more connected or akin to the neurological pole. And uh, and, and then, you know, maybe what we drink with the water, you know, is gonna have more of an effect on the metabolic pole and certain symptoms that derive from there. So. Perhaps uh, as you're inhaling, uh, as I'm also experiencing too. I have a few little neuropathies in a couple toes, uh, which are slowly disappearing. But uh, perhaps when you inhale it, since it's uh, more you know closely related to what's happening in the lungs and the inhalation, it's going to affect the nervous system and those kinds of symptoms more. I don't know, but I'm just trying to connect some dots here from my own understanding.
2: Yes. Well, the, the neuropathy obviously has to do with the nerves. And mm-hmm. another indication was that I had tinnitus. My tinnitus was, or tinnitus, whichever way a person pronounces it, uh, was was so great that I had trouble hearing people speak because of the ringing in my ears. And my ear, nose, and throat doctor that I went to said that the uh, tinnitus wasn't actually in the ear. It was in the brain. And the biggest nerve center in your body is, of course, between your ears. So as at the same time as my uh, neuropathies were healing, I, my tinnitus was gradually, gradually fading. So it was the nerves it wasn't only healing the nerves in the uh, in the uh, actual physical body, but in my brain as well. Uh, and now my uh, my tinnitus is almost non-existent. It did take a lot longer for that, except for when I'm stressed. If I'm stressed, I'm, I can hear that little hiss happening. So these days, I know if I hear that little hiss, it's like a little. Voice in the back of my head saying, "Hey, you know, breathe, look around, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Don't stress so much." So, and then it fades away as soon as I uh, I, I pay attention to it that way. It, it's good. So, those are those are good. And and then we get into the things like the Alzheimer's and uh, and various neurological diseases uh, that have to do with the nerves, uh, the uh, Parkinson's, for example. Um, there's been a lot of people helped. Uh, it's one of the first things that the people that were inhaling noticed uh, with the Parkinson's that the tremors would start to go away. Uh, and it, it just over time, it just gets better and better. I, the first thing it does is stop any progression. And then, then gradually over time, because the body knows how to heal itself. Any doctor, I'm sure you're aware, I, th- I think you would agree, will say that the doctors don't actually heal anyone. All, best they can do is put some a body in a condition that it can heal itself, and then the body actually heals itself. So that's what we're trying to do: is make sure there's enough nutrition, the proper nutrition, and then the body has an intelligence inside that knows what to do. <laughs> that uh, that puts it that puts it all together the way it needs to be if it can. Sometimes you're too yeah. far away.
1: The only caveat I've seen, uh, you know, that I've read as far as Parkinson's uh, folks having help, which is astounding to me, you know, it seems to be almost universal, but they might just have to inhale, at, you know, more prolonged durations. And then also with that in mind, um, you know, maybe you could segue into uh, duration versus uh, a higher concentration setting on your machine.
0: Could I ask one thing about the tinnitus, yes. real quick, George? Did yeah. you have amalgam filling fillings by chance?
1: I did when I was younger,
2: but many mm-hmm. years ago I had them taken out and put the ceramic ones in. Okay. So, and and I it, it was just two. I wasn't. I didn't have much. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that is a good point. It could have been that I had an accumulation of the mercury and all yep. all of that from from that. And I have no doubt that. Not continuing to poison myself was a was a factor.
0: Yes, and also it's interesting with the tinnitus. It's also often a low hertz resonance, uh, a high pitched resonance that maybe when you're integrating certain frequencies through the Brown's gas, you're regulating that and maybe bringing back this, the right kind of harmonics uh, to fix those uh, sort of resonant. Maybe uh, 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 frequencies that are somehow stuck in there or something. I don't know. There's a lot of un- there's a lot of stuff. The science doesn't know a lot about tinnitus. You know, that's the, a- the, um,
1: the the first the uh, the first part of tinnitus is or anything having to do with the ears, You have the air element that is picking up uh, reverberations externally, and that is uh, a matter of the sensory system. Again, we go back to the nerves, and then that reverberation actually bounces off of the fluid filled uh little chambers within the ear and then that goes to another whole level of our being and and that's a different story but there's a lot going on there and that also makes sense you know why uh you know that would have a great affinity towards uh, brown gas uh, being a help and um and anyway any comments you have uh you know about the uh uh, dosage versus prolonged uh, inhalation for first with um, uh, something like um, you know Parkinson's, and then just for the rest of us that are uh, you know using it for general use.
2: Yes, uh, very good question. Um, <clears throat> first of all, virtually all the, the the really heavy ailments like cancer and Parkinson's, and, and when you when you have a serious ailment the longer, the better. Now, there's there's a study, you can go to my dot, dot .live website, the eagle-research.live website. There's a study in there that is a woman who had lung cancer that had metastasized to her brain. And she decided to do Brown's gas. They didn't call it Brown's gas. It, it, it was just a hydrogen oxygen mixture. Um, the uh, only, no other treatment whatsoever. No, nothing. I, I won't go into all the other treatments. I just say she did Brown's gas only for a minimum of eight hours a day now this would be the same as if a person for the general generally speaking uh would just inhale at night so you just you put on the cannulas as if you were inhaling oxygen like some people have to inhale oxygen at night just put on the cannulas as if you were inhaling the oxygen and uh and and do it at night so you can get those hours in without disturbing your day many people don't sit at a computer like i do eight eight hours a day (laughs) so i i I inhale a minimum of four hours, absolutely minimum, and quite often eight hours a day, just because I'm I'm either here or down at my bedside. We do have multiple machines in in my house too, but of course I build them, so it's not that big of a deal. The um, and and my wife is using it uh, concurrently with myself as well, and has uh, she had allergies, really really bad allergies and asthma, and that has pretty much been mitigated with the Browns gas, so she doesn't have to take all that medic. She used to have to take medication just to live a day. She couldn't go through a day unless she had her medication. It, it was it was that bad. So in any case, dosage wise, uh, getting into the dosage, you don't want to inhale a mixture that is greater than four point seven percent hydrogen for for two reasons. First of all, it's dangerous. You could possibly if if it ignites and a static electric spark. Hitting the hose can ignite the gas inside with something called uh, conduct, uh, conductive trans... Uh, any, anyway, it, it makes a bit of a voltage potential that the gas itself ignites inside the hose if a spark hits the outside. Um, I keep thinking conductive transference, but that's not, not the right terminology. But in any case, that's what happens. So you could be on your couch and you have the type of clothing on or dry air in the room or something, a static electricity. It hits the hose. It could go bang. Now, if if you're inhaling a mixture that's potentially explosive, that bang can go down into your lungs. Not a good thing. And it and but if you are and and there have been people who have had explosions like that that I'm talking about about five that I know of, and I'm and it's rare. We're talking thousands of people over years of time. It's happened five times, but it can happen. That's the point. So you want to be safe and inhale less than a 2% mixture, or 2% or less, because most of the scientific studies that are showing uh, hydrogen efficacious, therapeutic efficaciousness, are, are using a 2% mixture, partially because of this non-explosive factor. And universally, 100%, they're, they're getting uh, uh, gains from that. So there's there's no reason, scientifically, to inhale a, more of a mixture, and when you get back into measuring the hydrogen in the blood, and this is where dosage comes into it, as soon as the blood is saturated with hydrogen, just the same as it's saturated with carbon dioxide or any other gas, any excess is exhaled. So putting more than your body needs into your inhaled breath does absolutely nothing whatsoever because it's simply exhaled on your on the on the resulting exhaled breath. So. All you have to do is get the blood saturated and then keep it saturated for the duration thing. And a 1% mixture, so if you look in my Brown's uh, Gas, the AquaCure operation manual, there'll be charts there so you could set the machine for a 2% mixture. Just go with half of that. So for myself, 38% of the Brown's Gas of the AquaCure production gives me a 2% mixture. So if I'm inhaling at night or for long hours, I can turn that down to... Uh, Would that be 16 or 18 percent? And maintain my uh, my my inhalation uh, uh, percentage. My my blood maintains that saturation, and I'm using less water, less electricity. Uh, There's less I have to maintain the machine. It's all more efficient, and just as therapeutic as if you're having a richer mixture. So there's no reason to have a rich mixture, and a few reasons not to have a rich mixture over two percent. So, and then, and then as far as duration goes, there's some people that say, because Brown's gas is is like nutrition and eating, and we eat like three times a day often. You got your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, when I'm inhaling a brown's gas, I only eat once a day. If I eat, if I was to eat three times a day, I would get fat because my body doesn't need all of that extra carbohydrates. When I when I'm inhaling, a large portion of the nutrition I get is the hydrogen from the brown's gas, which is Part of the reason you eat food is to get the hydrogen, right? Your major macronutrient. So I discovered that uh, I, I actually am a little bit overweight. <laughs> I can, I need to eat a little less than I'm eating right now, but I love food. I really do. I just I just love, love eating. I don't want to eat less, but it, but I have to eat smaller portions because I get all the nutrition I need. Now, of course, I go with, uh, since I'm eating not a lot of food, I go with the best organic uh, food that I can and, and I watch my nutrition. I I don't take very much supplementation. If I feel uh, that I'm around people that have uh, um, uh, that are sick, then I'll I'll take a little extra vitamin D and zinc and and C and 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 maybe some echinacea or something just to keep my immune system boosted right up there. And I I haven't gotten sick in since 2005. I haven't gotten sick. There's been three times when I got essentially the sniffles, and one time was bad enough I was feeling like a headache. But that was it it was gone the next day in in all all cases and and interestingly enough the last two times were after i had traveled on an airplane for several hours one time i had traveled to mexico and the other time i'd traveled to uh germany and in both those times after traveling on the airplane i got uh, a a sniffle and so now if i was to travel on an airplane in fact i just did I, I, i flew a few hours on an airplane I, I spruce up my immune system before I get on the plane, <laughs> and and away we go. So, dosage and duration. You don't need more than a two percent mixture. Uh, some people say intermittent uh, inhalation is better than one long time. Uh, I I say whatever works for you. Every person, every body is different. Every ailment is different. Every lifestyle is different. Some people will be helped most by intermittent inhalation, and some people will be helped most by a long duration. And I would say simply experiment because we don't know. This is, this is almost like a leading edge science. We can show the results, but we, we, we don't, there's just too many variables that we don't know yet. So there's- But either there's no, way,
1: there's really no downside.
2: There's no downside, zero downside. All we're looking for is what works best for somebody. Anything will probably work. We just need to know people figure out what works best. Now, the only caveat that I would say is that imagine you are a, a starting, starting on the Browns gas. Imagine that you were on a fast for a month, okay? A water fast. You didn't eat any food, just water for a month. You wouldn't break a fast like that with a seven course meal. You would definitely get sick and puke up that food, okay? You'd start with a little soup and get your body used to having nutrition going down there again. That's how some people have to approach the browns gas. Some people can just put it on and inhale for hours and there's no problem at all. But watch for what I call this negative weirdness. It isn't bad. It just is. When your body gets the nutrition and it hasn't had the nutrition, it may just suddenly grab that and start doing whatever it can with it while it's got it because the hydrogen isn't going to stick around in your body.
1: There are some another things, uh, see, another some, way to uh, another way to think about that is, uh, you know, when we're hydrogen deficient, um, all of our bodily processes and functions are compromised, including uh, our elimination systems. So if you start too much too soon, then it can really expedite that too much too soon and maybe just inundate you uh, with what we call the Herxheimer effect uh, with too many toxins uh, in the bloodstream all at once that are gonna make you feel bad.
2: Yeah, there are definitely effects that make a person feel bad if the body is trying to do too many things at one time, uh, chelating, getting rid of uh, minerals or or toxins, all the kind of things that can be happening and also, for example, if you get a headache, there's some people that start inhaling and they get a headache. I say that's a good thing because the body is trying to heal something in your head. And if there's any any part of your body you want working well, it's your head. <laughs> so just cut what I say is cut back when you find this negative weirdness, cut back till it's acceptable. Don't stop. Just just have a little bit. Now, again, I'm not prescribing. I'm a, I'm saying what I would do. Uh, again, my, uh, what I would do is simply cut back until that is acceptable, and then gradually increase again as the body uh, gets used to the uh, having the nutrition that it needs. And as you heal, you'll find you could do more and more. And once you're doing about an hour a day or three 20-minute segments, if you're doing it pulse, uh, i i know of no one that can't just inhale all night or or whatever the case may be by the time you can do an hour a day with no negative weirdness it seems and i'm talking about based on thousands of people out there doing the machines now um it seems you're you're fine you can go with it so that was the one negative uh, caveat um other than that there's no downside every every single scientific study has in fact it's just the opposite they'll be studying something uh, some sort of ailment and the and the study will note that several of the people had all these other positive things happen to them they didn't have the negative side effects they had the positive and in, incidentally if you look on the uh um television we get a lot of commercials pharmaceuticals about various ailments that people uh, uh, can take pills or whatever for uh drugs and Virtually every single one of those, if you had the Browns gas, you don't need that drug. People that are on heart medication for blood pressure, they. My, I have a best friend that is. Uh, he's he's about ten years older than I am, so he's like eighty-seven, and he's. Um, he has to be on blood pressure medication unless he's inhaling a Browns gas, but within three days of inhaling, he doesn't need to have the medication. If he stops inhaling, which he has occasionally, within three days it builds back up again to where he would need the medication again. So that gives you an idea of uh, how that's helping him with his uh, particular ailment.
1: And uh, um, in my practice, when I was working with people on medication, since I work more of a you know holistic way, and if they were seeing medical doctors, uh, you know, getting prescriptions. I would always have them go back periodically once they were under my care and get retested, it, you know, people with thyroid meds and things. And they'd usually come back and say, well, my doc said I don't have to take as much anymore. And that was a, a real safe way for people to kind of wean off of drugs, uh, you know, and, and, you know, just create a little bit of a nexus between not needing them at all.
2: Yes. And it's important, actually, that they keep testing because they could end up taking too much of the drug. If they don't need exactly. it, yeah, exactly. so that that's uh, that is one thing a person needs to watch for. It's good that you pointed that out uh, with, when you're inhaling the Browns gas, and you need less medication, just be keep testing so that it, that that goes on that. So um, I I the other thing that uh, Mike was talking about was frequencies, and there's there's a whole lot of things having to do with frequencies that frankly, I do not understand. I built the AquaCure so that you could vary the frequency that was impressed on the water and the gas that's coming out, and it does seem to have an effect, but I am not a frequency expert. I'll just say that up front. But anybody that wants to can go on the internet and look at the various frequencies that you can impress, and that also seems to help heal the ailments. There's, there's frequencies that you can do for any particular ailment, and that does seem to help. So. If uh, people send me an email, you can use the contact us page on, on the website uh, and it'll send an email directly to me and ask for that adjusting frequencies uh, document I have. It'll tell people how to adjust the frequencies on the Aquacure more than the operation manual does just for the, the simple frequencies. And, uh, and I give a bunch of references to online things that people can go and and, and reference the actual experts on frequencies. So
1: I'm really I, happy you added that feature, and I make great use of it with, uh, you know, a lot of work I do in that in that realm as well. So it's very useful, and and can make things uh, even more powerful. I think.
2: I I agree, and and a lot of the customers and, and that of my customers agree as well. So I'm really glad mm-hmm. I could and I did, uh, because I'm I'm a good inventor and I could do it, and I I I rub shoulders with alternative medicine. I realized I probably should do it. So I did do it. And that, and it's working out really well. And, and we you can go just back and to
0: kind of match those up with the Rife frequencies, yes, you know, the Royal Rife and see uh, if those align well in terms of the, uh, you know, end effects people are getting.
2: Yes, exactly. And Selegio frequencies and and mm-hmm. all of those. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's been a lot of art forms and frequencies over the years and uh, so many technologies have been have been developed and lost for various reasons. I Hope and this is one of the things where open source really helps as well. Like if we can spread this around, like uh, right at the moment, most of what I know, if I disappeared, <clears throat> that'd be it. It'd be gone again. So if I can spread that knowledge around, then when I leave the planet and go on to whatever happens next, at least. The technology is helping people and and stays behind, so it's it's really good. Uh, all right, so I wanted to get it a little bit more. A quick little thing. Uh, you guys know Russell Anderson and uh, and the primary water stuff that's going on, and we have uh, right at the moment four different what I call protocols with the Aquacure. You can in, inhale the gas, you can drink the water, you can put the gas on the skin, or you can put the water on the skin. So there's the four different protocols. That help people with their various ailments. There's two more protocols that can be done with the with the Browns gas with the Aquacure. Every Aquacure I've ever sold has this has these additional protocol capability built in. And uh, so the first one is deuterium depleted water. Now you need an additional attachment that goes with the Aquacure to do that. And and I'm going to be developing it once I get this course made and more people out there developing the machines. I can go back into my lab and finish the commercial versions of what i'm telling you about now i've already uh, experimentally done all this it's all been proven and duplicated elsewhere so people who are drinking deuterium depleted water and paying a whole lot for that money right or for that water right now can make it with the gas coming out of the cure, because when you when you burn the gas it turns back into water and that water is de- is light water it's deuterium depleted there's no heavy water in it so that you're just literally making the the de- new water, uh, deuterium depleted water. So that's protocol five, and then protocol six gets into something that I call new water, and this is really exciting. And and we really don't have enough time to cover this subject entirely, <laughs> but it segues back into what uh, um, Lloyd Jacob was doing, the chiropractor I was talking about, and the uh, and transmutation. So. And, and maintenance on, on the AquaCare. People are going to notice when they're using the AquaCare that it makes a sludge inside and that, that sludge needs to be periodically uh, clean, rinsed out. So uh, people uh, turn the machine over and pour the electrolyte solution out into a pot uh, or a jar and then rinse several times the machine with hot water to get rid of this sludge that's in there. And then they can pour the electrolyte solution back in, the clarified solution, it'll be a slight yellow tint once it gets conditioned, and then they're good to go again. That sludge, it turns out, is a byproduct of the Browns gas production. Lloyd Jacob, when he bought the machine from me, the ER 1200 uh, water torch that then he was using to help his, in his chiropractic, he would operate that machine for like eight hours a day. And, and every year he would have he would bring the machine back to me. I'd take the end plate off and take out all the plates and clean out all the sludge. You couldn't just pour it out like you can with the Aquacure and um, put it all back together for him. And as a matter of interest, I just saved that sludge. Most of the times I just poured it down the sink but in the, or, or drain or whatever. But in this particular case, I saved the sludge in a bucket. And after I think it was three clean outs, I had 19 pounds of sludge. And we analyzed that and found that it contained all of the metals that the electrodes were made of. It was stainless steel electrodes, so we had the nickel, the iron, chromium, uh, all of these various uh, uh, metals were in that sludge. Now, th- that machine, over years of time, had never had anything put into it but distilled water, and the plates were stainless steel. They were 19 pounds, coincidentally, <laughs> um, when they were new, and they were still 19 pounds when I put them back in the last time the machine went down to the to uh, Lloyd Jacob. So the plates did not disintegrate and make the sludge. The sludge was formed spontaneously in the solution from the production of the Brown's gas. And, <clears throat> and, and every aquacure does the same thing. So this, this is a transmutation thing that is happening essentially from the God molecule, from the water, from the hydrogen. It It is one of the ways that we're showing actual transmutation happening without nuclear reactors or anything like that so that that is important now when you take that new water the new water itself you've you've uh, burned the uh, gas there's a fellow by name of uh, joseph bender and norman wooten was an inventor we working with him at the time in a company called rainfresh down south new mexico type area i, I forget exactly and uh, they, they, uh, they were making a lot of this new water using the water torch. And I happened to have <clears throat> the bottle that they were putting the new water in right here. And you can't really see it, but there's a little, well, maybe you can a little bit, you can see there's a little bit of white sludge down there. Okay, so the, this particular bottle was sitting next to this bottle, which had um, 50 different nutrients in it that, 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 that these kind of bottles, it, it was called um, op, Optimum, And what you do is you take a little a shot glass of this mineral mixture and and drink it down every day, supposed to get all the minerals that you need. Anyway, the sunshine, they set it up on the shelf. This was not an experiment. This was uh, just something they noticed. They set it on the shelf so the sunshine was shining through this this bottle onto this bottle. This bottle was sitting in the shade of that bottle and the um they noticed that the bottle with the new water which had only hydrogen and oxygen ever put into it pure h2o was forming a sediment and they got approximately 10 ounces of sediment out of that new water they analyzed it and they found every one of those 50 minerals in that sediment <laughs>
1: Again? So, George, just a, a quick comment. In, uh, in my chemistry lab, I can take filtered rainwater, which is essentially distilled water, it's filtered, so there's no contaminants in it, and I can put it through a very lengthy process uh, over time and create 12 different factions of that same water, nothing ever added, And it will I will be able to uh, recover crystals from some of those factions, and I can also measure all 12 different uh, portions of the water that are just nothing but rainwater nothing ever added, and each one of them will have um, differences that you can actually measure. Uh, different properties associated with each of those. So that's where I really believe um, when we bring old school alchemy into it, which is hardcore chemistry. um, And if we can put our heads together with people like you that have the engineering knowledge, which I don't, uh, you know, we can really come up with some pretty fun stuff.
2: Yes. And we have uh, uh, Luc Montier. I'm sure you're aware of him. And uh, are you aware of the experiments that he was doing where he was sending uh, information uh, frequencies to from one location to another and and the the second location would start to form the same DNA, for example, that was in the uh, uh, original container so they, he was he, he was, was
0: heavily w- attacked for this and for this um sort of work uh, because the idea of water having memory was a uh, anathema to mainstream science?
2: yes. There is much we don't know about water.
1: (laughs) And of course our uh, body (laughs) is...
0: Go ahead, Vera. No, I was just
1: gonna say, of course, our body is mostly water. And uh, Mike's heard and our audience has heard me talk about experiments I did with uh, microscopy. I'd put a slide of uh, somebody's blood uh, that I just took out of the body up on a a screen and then uh, work on that body with different techniques. And uh, the blood on the screen, even though it's no longer in the body, would go through all sorts of changes relative to what I was doing on the body over to the side. And I'm convinced, uh, you know, water is the transmitting utility for those informational fields.
2: Yes. Yes. So so what was happening was you were working on blood in the body and that blood was still connected to the to the blood Outside the body enough that they could they could uh, it would change.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. Every yeah. time. There's there's been there's been so many experiments that uh, collaborate uh, collaborate that sort of uh, uh, effect. I uh, you you've heard of the hundred monkey uh, syndrome? Yeah. Or, or effect. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yes. So when enough and and the telephone was invented in two continents at essentially the same time within a very short time of each other they couldn't they couldn't get a ship across the ocean uh fast enough that that these two technologies were were developed like it's it's funny if uh, if they had had a wire they could have just picked up the telephone and talked to each
0: other <laughs> and 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 spanish flu somehow uh was uh came on really remote islands with no visitation where nobody was there there's this resonance idea right of everything connected probably through the structured water I was actually going to even open up this whole chat with what is water what's your definition of water because it's much more than h2o right the chemistry is just a very modern scientism sort of um uh, uh you know personification of what the actual qualities of water is as this sort of living consciousness element uh and it's very exciting to see thanks to jerry Pollock and your work and all these other scientists that are on the fringe, quote unquote fringe, are really starting to see that water is much more uh, magical than we ever thought.
2: Yes, uh, thanks for reminding me about uh, Professor Pollack. Uh, his work, absolutely astounding. I, I've written personally to the University of Washington and, uh, and and suggested that they nominate him for a Nobel Prize because the exclu- exclusion zone, what they call water, it's actually a gel, H3O2 negative, uh, is, is in our bodies and, uh, and the Brown's gas enhances it. Brown's gas specifically not hydrogen. Okay. We, I, I worked with the university of Washington. We had a study over there. Uh, they gave me a grad student and and the labs and stuff. And and we worked with them. We discovered that the Brown's gas enhances this el- exclusion zone gel. It It more than doubles it. In fact, I have I don't have, oh shit, I don't have it right here, but I have a uh, drinking water jar that I haven't never bothered to clean for years. And, I, and it's built up a film of this gel right inside it. So you can actually see it with your eyes. Usually the exclusion zone gel is microscopic. You have to look at it with a microscope to see just a few thousands of, a, of an inch the, uh, the, when, when, it's, when it's being made. But literally the exclusion zone gel is why we're able to be alive. Just a quick little thing, Um, first of all, it's very slippery, and it coats the outside of every red blood blood cell and the inside of every artery, uh, capillary, and vein. So as the red blood cells start to try to slide through, and and it's negatively charged, so you have a negative charge repelling a negative charge, so in, in addition to the slipperiness of the gel itself, you have these negative charges repelling, which is very important because when a red blood cell tries to go through a capillary, the capillaries can actually be only half the size of the red blood cell. They have to squeeze down like a sausage to get squeezed through there, okay? And if, if there was any friction whatsoever, our blood would just seize up and stop moving, and we, we couldn't possibly live. Plus, we've got hundreds of thousands of uh, miles of, uh, of uh, capillaries in our body. How do we know that ever, How does the body know to get uh, red blood cells evenly to all the parts of your body? So usually, if anybody knows fluid uh, dynamics, they know that uh, liquids will always take the path of least resistance. So they'll, they'll go the easiest way and go right back to the heart, for example. And your extremities wouldn't get all the oxygen and everything it needs. Well, it turns out that when you have a microtube with the easy uh, gel in it, it spontaneously starts to flow fluid with no external input, relevant uh, input that that you you necessarily just see. So it spontaneously starts to flow. So our heart, they've, they've theorized that our heart would have to have thousands of PSI pressure to push through these thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles of capillaries, but the capillaries themselves flow the blood. So it's not only essentially zero resistance, It's a positive flow when you get into the capillaries. So when you, when you add these, these things together, plus a whole bunch of other things that the easy gel has it, like it plumps our cells and, and, and a lot of those kind of things. When you add all that together, you find that this is probably one of the most important discoveries mankind has ever had. And it spontaneously forms from water. All you need is a hydrophilic surface. And pure water, well, it doesn't have to be pure because it's what's called exclusion zone, right? The reason it's called exclusion zone is because it excludes all the impurities. You end up with this gel that's pure against
1: the hydrophilic surface. And, and this. Uh, need- I was just gonna say in this gel too, when you understand it, uh, really um, I think this proves what I feel is an archaic theory about cell membranes and uh, you know, transport pores you know, between the exterior and interior of the cell and so forth, which is kind of nonsense if you really think about that. And that explains more how cells work with exactly what you're talking about and how energy as well as information is transferred on the instant. And simultaneously, every cell of the body knows what's going on. Even Guyton's physiology, Um, You know, used to talk about that simultaneous awareness of every cell in the body, which long ago when I was in school used to make me just wonder about that. But now we're actually getting an understanding of why that happens and not because of uh, messaging systems on cell membranes, which I don't even think exist.
2: Yeah, it's this is astonishing. So we have uh, we have a system that does that. And now we get back to the Brown's gas again. The Brown's gas has the hydrogen, oxygen, and it, which the easy gel is made of hydrogen and oxygen, but it also has the electrically expanded water, which adds a bunch of electrons. And the easy gel is negatively charged, which they're already theorizing and experimenting with, making essentially living batteries where they can, they, there's no moving parts. And it's very simple. <laughs> we just put an electrode against the uh, negative charge surface and another electrode out into the positively charged. Relatively speaking, solution, and you've got, you can have electron flow in, in that. So, we've got when you put the Brown's gas in the water, the easy gel expands. So, people that are having problems with uh, circul- blood circulation and all of that, what, that's one of the reasons why the Brown's gas helps is because they're expanding this easy gel in their body, everywhere in their body. So, their, their circulatory system works better. in in just about every way that there is. So in addition to the body, uh, uh, Brown's gas providing the nutrition it needs, it actually can uh, help uh, directly. And the electrons actually help directly in another way because there's something called oxidative cascade. When the body doesn't have enough electrons, uh, you you have uh, molecules or cells grabbing electrons from something else, which then becomes electron deficient, burned, if you will, oxidized. And that goes around and grabs an electron from something else. And it just, this change just happens. Whereas if you have something come in like earthing and grounding, any way you can get electrons into the body, Brown's gas being one of them, uh, then it gives those electrons to what it's needed and it just stops that process. So inflammation and all of these damage to organs and stuff stop. It's like you stop the damage and then it goes on from there.
0: Yeah. I see a future where we have highways powered by this exclusion zone gel, where everyone's just slipping through using electrical charges. Really, we're talking about the electric universe here, right? I mean, everything's electrical, and what really electricity even is, and how that relates to the entire cosmos. It's really exciting that um, this is all starting to finally uh, come to light. I mean, there. Bear- started this talk with this with walter russell mentioning walter russell who was talking about this in the 1920s uh and uh as above so below we're seeing what's inside us we can apply to literally uh the engineering of our you know how our future transportation can work you know it's pretty wild stuff um george this has been an absolutely brilliant talk and we're barely scratching the surface to be honest like In AlphaCast, we like to go deep, but we'd love to have you come back on, talk about the resonance of the frequencies and related to Brown's gas and how that relates to what electricity is and how um, we can further start to use this for transmutation, which is a very exciting idea, right? Literally, you've talked about uh, morphing and changing uh, even certain elements, stones, etc., Using Brown's gas, uh, how this uh, can be implemented in new technologies and uh, and then of course, going deeper into the health aspects. I mean, this is such a huge, huge subject we could speak for hours yeah. and hours mm-hmm. on.
1: Yeah, yeah George, there's there's so much uh, so much more I'd like to talk uh, to you about, but uh, we want to respect your time. We know you have other engagements. Um, and, you know, I believe that we're right at that hundredth monkey uh, moment here. And uh, people like yourself are certainly bringing that moment forward. And I, I, I really appreciate and want to thank you for being with us and everything you're doing on behalf of all of us. So thank you so much. Uh, that being said, any final thoughts?
2: Well, uh, a couple, uh, three actually. Um, first, four. first, thank you for being on this platform and my being able to help so many more people. I am very grateful for that. Second, I have a lifetime warranty on the uh, AquaCure machine. So anything that goes wrong with it, that's a manufacturer error. We pay for the shipping, the labor, and the parts to fix it, no additional cost to the customer. And I have a satisfaction guarantee, a one-year satisfaction guarantee, because I want to help people. And they, and some, some things take a while to uh, mitigate. So if I can't guarantee that there'll be any kind of result or you get any kind of result. I can't prescribe. I can't do any of those kind of things. But what I can say is that you'll be satisfied or you can return the machine back to us and we'll refund your purchase price for a year. So that 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 takes care of that. And the fourth thing is, I think you guys have a, um, a coupon code, don't you,
1: that, that people can help? We do. Yeah, uh, if I you can that, tell people how to go ahead, Mike, you do I this. have that
0: pinned in the uh, current live chat, it's also in the show notes. Use the coupon code Alpha Vedic, uh, Alpha A L F A V E D I C for a sizable discount. And the link, the direct link to the machine right there, uh, is eagle research.com forward slash product. And then I have it forward slash AC50, the AC50. Uh, and, uh, people have already been buying it through us for months. We've been promoting it and, uh, it's, we've been getting great, great testimonials back. We'll send you more George as they come in or guys send them directly to George. The more that we crowd kind of crowdsource this information and decentralize it and get it out, uh, the better. And that's really exciting, George, that you're opening us up to this sort of course. So people can learn how to make the machines themselves, resell them and, and create businesses out of healing which is what we're all about.
2: Wow. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to come back at some point and talk more about uh, all the other permutations of this. And also if people have questions that you guys can gather and I can, I love answering questions, we can uh, talk about those and answer those in, in a future time as well.
1: Amazing.
0: Future economy. Uh, the future economy is obviously in the trades from what I see, people getting back into the trades and in healing. Healing the planet, healing ourselves, healing the economy, healing the social structure. Healing is an ama- is going to be the, the economy of now and the future. So uh, you're right uh, right there, George, in the thick of it. <laughs> hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this talk. If you did, please give us a thumbs up, give it a share with your friends and family. That really helps us get this information out. Uh, this will also be going out as an audio podcast. It's on Spotify and iTunes and all, all those things. Podbean is a great way to download it and share it. Uh, and of course, this will be up on Cordal. This will be up on uh, this goes up on Odyssey and other platforms that cannot censor it. Uh, so please support us there. Uh, unite.live as well. Sayer G's platform. And please go to George's website. Support him uh, by buying one of these products. Support your own health. And uh, that, once again, is all in the show notes below. Eagle dash Thanks again for joining us today. And Please remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, go for a a hike, get into Mother Nature. She's our best teacher and friend. Go show her some love. We love you. And we'll see you next week for Howdy Mikowski going in deep into his new book, uh, Plato's Cave. And of course, we'll touch on the world's fairs and Tartara and all that fun stuff. So we'll see you next Thursday with Howdy. Cheers, guys.